Hey, what's up? What's up, you guys? Be seated. How are you? Is this like the um, is this like the better service, better than the previous one? I don't know. It was really good, but I, I'm I'm feeling it real real tight in here right now. So uh, it's great to be with you guys. Everybody feeling good? <clears throat> good, good. I, I I am sorry that you have to endure this uh, uh, Southeast U.S. accent. And uh, so I, I do kind of uh, butcher the uh, language here. Will will be much better at it tonight, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's great to be with you guys. Um, so love your pastors. And uh, they just mean the world to us. Uh, when, when Will and I got off the plane and then we ended up going to dinner last night <clears throat> and um, uh, with pastors Jason and Sue. And so Sue walks up and she said, Welcome home. And I said, that is so right. This is home. This, this, it just feels good. And uh, we, we feel like we really have a chemistry with your pastors, uh, just a real camaraderie, which spills over into you guys. So I was here, really, uh, somebody said within a day of one year ago here speaking. And uh, how have you guys done over the last year? Y'all, y'all been staying tight and right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. I, can, can I make a confession? I um, kind of goes along with my message, but I, um, I went into 2019 with some tremendous excitement. Every year I go into the year with tremendous excitement. And I, I listed some things I was really going to do this year. And uh, certain books I was going to read and some documentaries I wanted to watch and some hobbies I wanted to do on the side and, and all of that. Can I tell you, I've probably got about 10% of that done. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. And uh, my wife and I, we, we have a great marriage, but we came into some pressures, not internally, but externally that we just had to kind of pull tight and process through. You guys don't ever have those issues, but we just, we, uh, we, we said, you know, let's figure out what's going on. And we, we work together on it. My point is I'm stronger today than I was a year ago, but it's not because I got a ton of goals done. It's because the Lord keeps refining me and working in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? And I have a feeling I'm not alone in this room. I have a feeling the fact that you're here and you've been walking through some things, some were, were, were a little of a challenge, but you walk through it and you're here and you're stronger and there's a core inside of you that keeps getting strong. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what the message is about today. Uh, I've really enjoyed the series that, that you guys have been in the book of James and I I listened to Pastor Jason's message from two weeks ago on James 1. I've listened to it twice. How many times have you listened to it? Uh, three times. No, I know some of you have. It's, uh, but uh, I thought, man, this is so good. You did an amazing job with that. He's really, you got a, a, you got a good communicator for a pastor. You know that? Yeah, listen, Yeah. And he's, he's, a, he's, he's like a theologian, which theology just means the study of God. So he studies the Bible, but then he takes it and he makes it real applicable. 
And I loved your points. I, 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 took, I took notes on it. I said, man, this is good stuff about, uh, you know, appreciating. That wasn't the word you used. Uh, uh, oh, I shouldn't have started it because, yeah, he's already forgot it too. You do too. You, you say, oh, it was a great message. I can't remember what it was, but it was a great message. And, um, but he just talked about working with the Lord, embracing and, and asking God for help and as you walk through these things. I am um, I'm kind of a student of people and situations. I, like, I would like to think that, and, uh, you know, we're, we all have different bents. One of my bents, one of my leanings is to be a problem solver. I just, I, you know, I study the situation, and I just, I'm looking at people, and I don't look at them with this, like, negative look. I look at them with this positive look. I'm just thinking, I mean, even now, <laughs> I just feel like I'm in a room full of leaders, a room full of strength in here. You know what I'm saying? And I can't imagine some of the battles that you guys have been through, you know. Uh, there's a saying, uh, people see the glory, but they don't know the story. And so you, you, you're, you're here and you got your sanity and, and all of that. And yet I, there's been some things you, you've walked through. And I feel that. And so, and so when I look, like I'm very fascinated. I'm going to share in just a minute about the story of David and Goliath. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. But I know David didn't just happen to get there. There was a process to get him there. We read about it and David just seems like, oh man, I'll bring Goliath down. That's no problem. But there's something that happened in his life to get him there. And I have a feeling that I'm in a room full of people who have been under some preparation. You know what I'm saying? And I feel that, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. One of the verses Pastor Jason shared two weeks ago, and I, 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 if they could put that on the screen, I've been just meditating on this verse from, uh, from the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. One version says you'll be ready for anything. And I love that. I don't need to re-preach it because he did a great job, but I've just been meditating on that about, the, the, about what God does internally. Now look, in my Christian walk, there, there are two things that just keep me grounded. Number one is that I have, a, I have an authentic, vibrant relationship with Jesus. I know him as a friend. He's my God, he's my king, but he is my friend also. And, I, and, and so it's not, it's not theology to, I mean, you know, it's not like a, academic to me. It's not some belief in God. Pastor Jason two weeks ago talked about how even the demons believe and that's nothing. And so when I made this, when I, when I, when I, when I, when I turned to Jesus, I said, I want you to be my friend. 
He's my God. He's my Lord, but he is a friend to me. So people come up. Sometimes they'll post stuff on social media. Well, I've just kind of lost my faith, and I don't know what I think about God. Well, I know what I think about God. He is my friend, and he is my Lord, and I can't be moved off of that. The second thing that grounds me is that I determined early on, I say determined, the Lord took me to these verses right here, and I memorized them. And I said, I've got to not be moved by negative circumstances. I just can't. I, can't, I, I, I have to, because we live in a fallen world. Look, Cape Town, Cape Town is almost heaven. It's beautiful. <laughs> but it ain't heaven. Right? <laughs> so I look forward to heaven. This is a beautiful place. But we live in a fallen world. Eight billion people get up every day deciding to do something different than they did the previous day. And so that's going to make for a mixed bag of results. And so there's going to be all kinds of things. So I don't, I don't get up every day when I read this passage <clears throat> and I don't think, okay, God is going to see how many things he can throw at me today just to see if I'm strong enough. That's not the God I know. At the same time, I don't feel like the devil is running my life. I don't feel like I'm under some curse and, oh, the devil's done this and the devil's done that and I just can't keep up. The devil's so busy. No. <laughs> you know, I know he's doing stuff. But there, we just live in the... So I feel this grounding that, hey, regardless of what comes my way, God's just working it for my good. We sang three songs about that. They were all so good. I know the ending. I know how it's going to end. And, I, and, and, and the battle is the Lord's. And so in the meantime, I'm going to just keep walking. So my, my victory every day is not how many ducks I get in a row. It's not how many goals I accomplish. It's not how many problems get solved in my family because that can change tomorrow. Right? You get it all lined up and you say, it's been an amazing day. And then the alarm goes off in the morning, and we start again. But my victory every day is walking with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And knowing that whatever comes my way, I'm actually developing this inner core. Kind of like yoga. Well, maybe not. But anyway, it's got, you, you just have this strength about you. You know what I'm saying? So I want to go to David and Goliath. And here's, here's David that's fighting this great battle but again, I want to know the backstory. If you and I could sit down over a cup of coffee, cappuccino, whatever that might be, I would say, tell me your story. I, I do that a lot because I am fascinated by what God does in you, what you consider as mundane, unimportant, insignificant, and yet God is, I'm telling you, I'm in a room of gifted leaders here right now. Do you know what I'm saying? And so there, there's strength. So I love that backstory. Let's look at that if we could. And I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. They'll put it up on the screen in verse 34. David said, this is in the middle of that. Uh, story, by the way, but he says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 
I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I just beat that thing with my stick. And I've done this to both lions and bears. Well, you read that and you just say, oh my gosh, we're already starting with a superhero. This is Captain America right here, you know. Goes from the little fella to the big guy, you know, and he's all bulked up. I think it goes way back to that, way back even before that. And David, look, there's a guy, a guy in the Old Testament named Jacob who was Abraham's grandson. Jacob said, shepherding is a lousy job. He said, it is no fun. He says, you're out there with all these sheep. They probably stink. He didn't say that, but I think they did. But he says, you're out there. He says, in the day, it's hot. At night, it's cold. You can't sleep. Every time you doze off, you hear something in the bushes. What was that? Are they trying to get my sheep? He said, it's just hard. Now, what was David? David said, I took care of my father's sheep and goats. That statement alone. I took care of them. What, what is that like? David's sitting at the dinner table. His dad says, hey, you up next. You know, there's eight brothers. And so David was number eight. He says, all right, they're all going off. Now it's your turn to do the sheep. Oh, my gosh. He said, what, what does that mean? I don't know. You just go figure it out. Just go out there. Do, take care of the sheep. And so David became uh, what I would say he owned it. He says, I'm a steward. He says, they weren't his sheep, but he said, this is my job. He says, and I'm, and I, so there's no manual on it. He just has to take care of them. And, and, and so when I, when I look at that, that kind of ownership, look, how many areas are you a steward over? I would venture to say several, most of you. If you're married, you've got, you've got, a, you've got a marriage marriage to kind of keep in check you've got kids, you've got kids that you're working with. If you've got a job, you're working with the, the you, you, you're a steward there. If you've got finances, we all have finances or the lack thereof. And, and so you, you've got some things to watch over there. You, you've got extended family. I don't know about you, but in, in my family, we've got some crazies in our extended family. I've got a crazy relative that is just, you know, she's unpredictable. Again, y'all don't have that issue, but, you know, you, you go to a family outing, you can't tell what she, she's, she may manifest right there. And you're just, <laughs> now what am I going to do about that? But, as, but, but I want my family to make it. So I keep the bridge open. I keep the door open. I can't fix all those problems. But I'm just saying, you and I, we own different parts of our, we, we, we were stewards over different parts of our life. And so David did, and because of that, God brought this strength. He began to really trust God. Can you imagine being out there, if I heard uh, a lion, or let's just start with a wolf or something. I don't know, do wolves go after sheep? Maybe they do. But anyway, yeah. That was a test, I knew that. <clears throat> But, but so the, the, so, so the, you know, he said, man, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go get my sheep free. He's calling it his sheep because that's the type of steward. You have a ministry in church. You have a minute. You, you, that's what you're, I'm a steward over this. I got to go figure this out. And I bet, 
I bet he prayed a lot. Like, God, you got to help me. And you know God loves that prayer. That's one of the best prayers. God, help me. You said that in your message two weeks ago, just praying. God, help me. I got up this morning. I got up at 2.30 this morning because I had some jet lag. And I said, God, help me. But you know why I did? Because I've been trusting God all these years. I've been, I've been walking with him, and I know he can help me. And I rely upon that. I prayed probably, I don't know. I bet, I bet I prayed that prayer 20 times this morning. God, help me. Help me to communicate. Help me to help me do what I'm doing. Help me to be a better. One of the things, when I got up this morning, I couldn't wait to get up and be with Jesus. And so I prayed. I said, God, help me today to be a good husband. I want to be a good husband. My, my wife is, I don't know how many thousands miles away, but I said, God, help me to be a good husband. Help me to be thinking about what she needs. Help me to be a good leader. Help me to be a good man of God. Just help me. Well, David did that. David kept praying, Lord, help me. And the, and the Lord enabled him to. And look, these things are pretty, pretty mighty acts right there. To go and to do this with a lion and a bear. And he said that he, he took care of the sheep and he did that, and he even and, and he said, if they came after me, he says, I'd get a stick and I would just beat them. Why? Because there was a grit. There was, a, there was something in him that says, I got to win this. I got to win this. I'm telling you, I'm in a room with some grit. Is that word okay here? Okay. That, that, that inner, like, tenacity, that inner perseverance, that inner, like, I don't know how I'm going to win this battle, but I will win this battle because the Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. So that's what David, that, that's the grooming that God did in David. And, I, and so when you read this passage, I don't want you to discount yourself and say, well, I sure ain't never done any lions or bears, but I'm telling you, you may have done something just as equal. There is some winners here because you have called on the Lord and he's your help. So then we go down to the story about David and Goliath. And I'm going I'm to read about 15 verses. Is that okay? It's just a great story. Two of my favorite chapters in the Bible are this one right here and Hebrews 11 about the, uh, the, the, the hall of faith, all the people that went before us. And, uh, and so I love this. If I, if I ever get kind of a little self-pity going, I just swing on over to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'll read about this. So it says... Uh, um, it says, and they're probably putting it on the screen. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from, uh, from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bro- bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. 125 pounds. That's about 50-something kilograms. Is that right? Y'all like that little conversion. I'm doing my best, all right? <laughs> and, and I mean, kind of a freak of nature. Nine feet tall. I'm barely six, and you, you, you add another three feet. This guy, this dude is just big. And it says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. 
But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Today I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So if you've heard this story before, the battle lines are drawn. King Saul is the king of Israel, and he's kind of the commander of the army. And so Goliath comes out. One, one, in one place it says he came out daily, every day. He just comes out and he says this thing. And all of his men, his officers, his, his highly trained people are over there, and they're terrified and shook. I, I probably would be too, you know, if I were relying just on my military stuff. Because this dude is so big, and I'm not. And so I'm just thinking, man, this is, this is tough. But now, keep in mind, whose battle is this? Whose battle is this? I think Saul forgot that. So Saul's over there. He's just looking over his ranks, and he's trying to surmise who in his ranks is the biggest and he looks over at him, and the dude who's the biggest, he's probably about 6'5", the, the, the guy that's, uh, the, when he sees Saul kind of glancing over, he just turns and looks down. He's not going to make eye contact with Saul because he doesn't want to be sitting there. Saul forgot whose battle it was, but God didn't. God said, no, I don't want my people to be slaves to this Goliath, this freak of nature. Oh, no, I want my people free. So what does he do? Who's he been preparing? David, King David, who is brother number eight, uh, some of his other brothers are in the very group of military men. They're shaken. David's over there just doing the sheep. So how does God orchestrate? This is what I'm trying to say. There are battles in our world every day, and God knows who to pick. And so God does it very under the radar because David's dad has this idea. Hey, I need to get David to send, I need to get David to bring them a cheese tray. Bring them, what did we talk about earlier? The what? The grape tizer. He says they need some grape tizers over there. That'll help them. David's dad just thinks he's having this idea on his own. Let me get David out of there. Well, David's probably delighted not to have to tend to the sheep. And so, uh, so, so the dad says, hey, Dave, why don't, you, why don't you go over there and check on things? Bring him a cheese tray. Bring him some uh, salami or something, you know. And, and uh, is that pork? I don't know what salami is made of. If it was pork, it probably wouldn't have been salami. Okay. See how quickly I digress? That's my problem. (laughs) That's my problem right there. All right, so anyway, so David says, hey, I'll go do it. So David goes there. Again, very, very um, unintentional, it appears. In other words, it just looks like David's just going to check on the guys. God has a plan. Whose battle is it? Whose battle is this? It's God's battle. And so God's orchestrating things. How many things are being orchestrated this morning by the Lord? Things that we think are just kind of random. God says, oh, no, 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 no. I've got some key people that can make this happen. I just need to maneuver a little bit. 
So here comes David, and I'm going to pick up with that. And so uh, David comes in there, and, and David tells King Saul, who is also the commander, he said, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. That's, that's quite um, bodacious, uh, braggadocious, uh, quite, uh, that's quite gutsy. But David just walks onto the scene, sets down his cheese tray, says, hey, guys, there's some cheese over there if y'all need it. And, and he said, what is this guy doing? David says that. Saul says, he's, a man. He, he's, he's bad. He's bad news. David says, oh, I, I, I can do that. I'll go, I'll go handle it. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. That's a real statement of faith, isn't it? He said, you're only a boy, and he's a, been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been, and this is what I read you all ago, David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my dad's sheep, which feels like it has nothing to do with anything. But then he tells the victories that happened. I'm telling you, you and I could go in there like that. And, and, and what may not make military sense, you could go in and say, yeah, but you know what? I have seen God move in my life. I've said, I trust my God. My God can handle this. I'll gladly go. And so that's what David did. It says, um, uh, he said, uh, let me pick up. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David knew exactly what the Lord had rescued him from. David's, remember, David's dealing with these lions and bears. What, what, what might he be most concerned about? The dreaded claws. He said, God, you got to protect me from the claws. God said, no problem. I got this covered. So he trusted, and he gets in there. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bare ahead of him, sneering in contempt. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath said. David replied to the Philistine. Uh, I've, I've always loved this. I love this. David, David's got, some, got a little cockiness going, but not in his own strength, a little cockiness in the Lord. And he said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. He didn't say today I'll conquer you, but today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the bird, birds and animals. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. I think it's interesting you put that little phrase in there. Because he knew the military guys needed to get with the program. And he says, and the people here will know that the Lord rescues um, his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly and met him. 
Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. That's a great story, isn't it? That just fires me up. But it's a great story because it, it is a, really a boy, a teenager probably, who just trusted God. And he had walked with enough battles that he knew he could trust God. I go back to that scripture we read at the beginning. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when your life, when you experience these battles, be strong. For, for, don't, for, for, when, you're, for, for when your endurance has to, a chance to grow, it makes you strong and you're ready for anything. David knew that. Now, I just want to close with, with, with these thoughts because, I, 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 again, I feel, like I'm, I feel like there are a lot of you who have walked through some things and you've learned to trust God. God has purpose. With, he doesn't cause these things, but he knows how to take those and use these things. And when I, when I fly into South Africa every time, I just think this is a beautiful nation, a wonderful people, and you're like the U.S. You have problems. And you, you have issues. I don't, know, I don't know how you solve all those issues. I don't know how we solve them all in America, but I'm telling you, God is not moved. You know that? God is just not moved. And he, this battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. And so I think about that and I think, man, God has taken all these things individually and then he wants to use it corporately. So I want to just give you these three things in closing. And the first one may not apply to some of you, but I just felt impressed to bring this up. And, and, and so the first one is submit your life to God. Submit. I don't really care for that word, but it is, it's a good word. I don't care for it because my human nature, my natural nature does not want to submit. It wants to do my own thing. But I remember when I gave my life to the Lord and, and, and right before I did, I went through one of my greatest conflictednesses or whatever you say. I went through a very conflicted state because I knew that I knew I knew that God was asking me to submit. Could I do that? I wasn't even sure I'd be good at it. I wasn't sure I could last at it. And I wrestled with that. But over here, I saw how wonderful Jesus was. And I, th- I kept thinking, you know, it, 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 I kept thinking, man, I want Jesus. But I have to submit. I have to come up under his lordship. I have to be willing to just do whatever he wants me to do. I have to be willing to give. And so it's, it's a place of surrender. 
Now, I surrender every day. I mean, I wake up and I say, God, here's, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my mouthpiece, use me today. But I'm not talking about that so much as just that, that initial coming up under the lordship of Jesus. And that is, I just want to say, if, if, if you have not done that, it's so worth it. And when you do, you come up under this you come into this partnership, and God says, if you follow me, he says, I got your back. I got you. Now, I'm not sure. God loves everybody, and, and, he, and he's gracious, and he's merciful. But, but when you come up under the Lord, then you can really say, this battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's, because there's a partnership. Do you know what I'm saying? And so don't be afraid of that. I was afraid of that. I just didn't know if I could do it. And once I did, there was this freedom that came over me. And all of a sudden, the things that I dreaded submitting to God because I just thought it was so precious to me and it was like big things, I thought. And when I released it, I said, God, I don't care what my life looks like. I'm going to be yours from now on. All those things that seemed so big became very, very small. So number one, submit to God. Number two, and this is an interesting one to say, but I just said redefine success. Redefine what success looks like. Because he wants you to be confident. Your goal is not to solve the world's problems. Your goal is not to fix everything. It's like we talked about earlier. You, if you've got everything fixed, then you're going to wake up tomorrow and there'll be a new batch of problems. I can't fix my family member that's crazy. I just can't. She's going to do what she wants to do. And she may just surprise us with something new. But you know what? That's not what, that's not what my success is based on. And so you, you redefine, you, God wants you and I to be uh, confident. Not in our own self, but in him. I'm telling you, I love walking out of the door in the morning feeling like I am right with God. And that's not how little sin I have. I mean, I try not to have sin in my life, but it's not how perfect I am. It's that relationship with him. It's just the most wonderful thing. I get up every day and I thank him for his righteousness that he gave through Jesus. I didn't, I didn't merit that. I didn't deserve it. God, the Bible says he made Jesus who knew no sin to become or take my sin upon him so that I could be right with God. Does that mean I'm not a work in progress? No, I am very much a work in progress. But every day, God wants you and I to walk out of the door and be confident, confident as a child of God. And then number three, <clears throat> again, you know, you come up with these names, and <laughs> but I, I put join the team. And that's where I was saying at the beginning, I'm in a room full of gifted people. There are people all over this city that you and I don't even know about. One time Elijah had a great victory um, in the Old Testament, and then he got... He, he, he uh, I don't know, he got in his head 
Y'all don't, but he did. And he said, he said, God, he said, it just, he says, I'm really the only one that's even doing anything for you right now. And God said, he says, I got, I got 500 prophets, prophets that haven't even bowed their knee to Baal. Why do you act like you're the only one? God has people all over this city that know the battle is not theirs, but it's the Lord's. I just, uh, I was saying in the first service about Pastor Chris Matabula up in, uh, in Johannesburg. And uh, was, when, he was, uh, when he was a teenager, he had grown up in a township and he just uh, was into crime and some other stuff. And this lady pulled him aside and she, she said, this is not going to be your story. You've got a different story. You have a call on your life. God has destiny for you. And she started valuing him. She, she didn't look at the outer side, the dirt on the outside. She looked at the gold on the inside. And she says, no, God has something greater for you than this. And he gave his life to the Lord. And today he pastors thousands. And he's working with young boys and girls and men and women. And he's raising them up because he's turning around the value that he received. Now he's passing that on. And he says, and he's valuing them. And he's raising them up as leaders in this nation to go into the different areas, the different spheres of influence of, in education and finance and, and, and government and all. How many Chris Matabulas are there in this city, in this nation? How many are there with gifts maybe similar to yours? And God is, is inviting you to be a part of a larger team. Do you understand what I'm saying? He loves this nation. And you have gifts. That's why uh, we have the, the, the next steps, the, the uh, growth track that you guys do to help you self-identify those things. You have bents uh, or, or leanings towards certain things. There's things that impassion you. There's things that excite you that don't excite the next person. But it's God-ordained. I'm just telling you, a bunch of us have been out there with those sheep. They just weren't sheep like David knew, but they were our own set of sheep. And we've seen God move. And now we know that God is... Uh, He's ready to use us. Do you guys feel that? I'm just so proud of you. Just want you to know that. Love you and just believe. I believe this nation is just going to, I, I, I just, I see, I see leaders coming up in the ranks I see people that nobody suspected, nobody anticipated, under the radar people. People that may not have certain natural giftings, but they have something inside that says, oh, I know the Lord. And they can talk like David did. Who, who is that enemy that would defy us? Oh, no, this battle is not ours. This is God's. And I'm telling you, I just, God's going to do a great work.